Hi everyone, my name's Scott, I'm one of the ministers here. Welcome to all, everyone who is in the building. Welcome to you guys who are watching out there. Welcome to you guys who are watching at home. So good to be together this Christmas Eve. Raise your hand if you're sick of talking about viruses, lockdowns, new strains, close contacts. <laughs> so now we're going to be talking about Christmas. Before we get into that, let me pray. We'll get right underway. Heavenly Father God, we ask for your hand of blessing and protection over the people in this room and the families they represent and indeed over everyone in our city in our country and in our world. Tonight as we think about the Lord Jesus, help us to come and adore him indeed as we consider him. Amen. Amen. Actually, uh, I don't want really to just talk about Christmas. I want to talk about names. Uh, it's about this time of the year where uh, they release lists of the most popular baby names for the year. I always like to look through them just to see if I'm still on trend. Now, the top 10 is a very stable list. features lots of Noah's, and Liam's and Lucas's and of course Olivia's and Emma's and Charlotte's. It's the next section that's way more interesting. They're, they're the names of the kind of bolters for the year, you know, the, the unexpected ones. So for example, this year Layla is an Arabic name, um, but it means drunk on wine. And uh, Carter, another bolter, uh, it means driver of carts, <laughs> old English name. Another bolter is the name Wyatt. It's an old French name that kind of means wide, <laughs> fat, uh, not very complimentary. But apparently uh, one of the real bolters for the year in terms of kid's name is, is Wilder. Now, I just can't imagine calling your kid Wilder. Can you? I mean, at least if they get expelled from high school, <laughs> you go, well, it wasn't a surprise, was it? But it doesn't matter. Oh, hang on. Someone there looks distressed. Did you call your kid Wilder? It still might turn out okay. Good luck. Um, but it doesn't matter, does it? Because it sounds cool. And that's what kind of matters to us. Of course, in the Northern Beaches, we don't just want our names to sound cool. We also want them to look cool. So this is what we do in the Northern Beaches. We typically change up the spelling, don't we? So we'll substitute a Z for an S, a Y for an I, and we'll just add random letters in there for no good reason. Um, so when we moved to the Northern Beaches, I really wanted my sons to fit in. So I, I thought well, I better change the names or the spelling of the names. So James became James and Oliver became Oliver and Austin is Austin. It doesn't matter that people always spell their names wrong because with their new spellings, they easily made friends because their names look cool. Now, we only care that our kids' names sound cool and look cool. It doesn't really matter what those names mean. But in Bible times, Bible names had Bible meanings, and a name would often give an insight into the nature of that person. And that's certainly true of this child called Jesus, which is the title for our evening. And you might have noticed through the readings, if you were listening carefully, there was a multitude of names that attached to this child. Most of them were titles more than names, but still in abundance. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Son of the Most High, Son of God, Saviour, Messiah, the Lord, and of course, Jesus. So lots of names that tell us lots of things about this child. And those names will unpack his nature and they will unpack the nature of his work among us. But before we unpack the names, this child called Jesus, we ought to reacquaint ourselves with the facts of his birth. By any measure, friends, it was an extraordinary birth. And the extraordinary nature of it really centers on this virgin birth announced by an angel, celebrated by a great company of the heavenly hosts. That's an angel, an army of angels, as it were. 
And yet there's once in the history of the world event, a virgin birth is located amongst the most ordinary of people, a teenage bride, her husband-to-be, a carpenter by trade, an inglorious setting with lowly shepherds, the first visitors. And so this is how it went. God sent an angel called Gabriel to visit a young girl who happened to be betrothed that is pledged to be married to a fellow called Joseph. Betrothed was more than an engagement which could be easily broken off. It was a legally binding promise to get married, which presented Joseph with a bit of a conundrum when he discovered that his betrothed was carrying a child, not his own. But that, friends, is really a story for another day. The important thing that we were told in our readings is that Joseph was the descendant of David, that is, the greatest king over ancient Israel, really the archetypal Old Testament king, a king to whom God made a promise about 1,000 years earlier that someone from his lineage, one of his descendants, would rule over Israel forever. But that was a long time ago, and it felt a world away from Joseph's experience. He was a humble carpenter from Nazareth in Galilee, in the north, a backwater town in the boondocks of Israel. But returning to Mary, because she's the one who is in view here, Mary says this fearsome angel, Gabriel, you will have a baby, you will be a boy, you will call him Jesus. And we are to understand, partly because of the heaping, the stacking up of those names, Jesus, Son of the Most High, Son of God, and partly because of the whole, he will be great, He will sit on the throne of David forever. His kingdom will have no end. That it's no ordinary baby that she will bear. And Mary goes from fear to wonder to respectful obedience, but somewhere in the middle, the logistics become a concern to her. How will this be? Since I am a virgin. Oh, that's not a problem, Mary. (laughs) It's almost the best part. For the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God himself will be upon you and he will bring forth life from within you. Just as the Spirit of God hovered over a formless world at the beginning of creation, God will bring life forth from within you. The boy will be fully human, gestating, growing, kicking inside for nine months, and yet he will be born of God. In fact, God himself, fully divine, God in human form and flesh. And we are to understand that's God's intention from the beginning. This child is the son of the Most High, the son of God, but also from a human family that could trace its lineage back to royalty, back to David's throne. Though they find themselves in modest circumstances this very minute. might be some of you who can go along with shepherds, even angels at a stretch. But at the mention of the virgin birth, you check out. (laughs) You think, I ain't buying that. It's a real handy way for a girl who's got herself into trouble to explain it to her gullible fiancé. A virgin birth does not happen. (laughs) It cannot happen. That's you. Can I say a couple of things? Firstly, it is a miracle. (laughs) By definition, it doesn't happen very often. And it cannot happen, humanly speaking. I mean, even Mary, an uneducated teenager, gets that. We're not saying it happens often. We're saying it happened once. And we're not saying it can happen, humanly speaking. We're saying it's the work of God. 
That's what makes it a miracle. Secondly, you will notice that Luke, who wrote the account that was read to us, a very careful account, he pays particular attention to historical and geographical details. He locks it in. You know, he says, in Nazareth, a town in Galilee. That, that's like the GPS coordinates of his day. And he wrote, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. It was while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. So it's not once upon a time in a land far, far away. It's there. It's in that specific place. And it's then, at that precise time. But perhaps you haven't seen a virgin birth yourself, so you don't think God can do it. You don't think God can do it? <laughs> My man. In this age of genetic engineering and reproductive technology, we can almost do it. God breathed life into the universe. He can do it. But he did it just once. Amongst ordinary people going about their daily duties. A teenage bride. An anxious carpenter who was royalty and lineage only. Outcast shepherds in the fields looking after their silly, smelly flocks. Ordinary. But an extraordinary birth, nonetheless. I've always thought um, job titles can be misleading. Have you ever thought that? You meet someone who says they're a director of first impressions. They're probably a receptionist. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing at all. Someone says they're a digital alchemist, and you go, you're just a social media manager, I think. <laughs> Come on. Or when someone says they're a retail Jedi, when they're a shop assistant, you're stoked, right, that they think they're really good at their job. <laughs> you know, when we understand the names and the titles given to this baby, though, then we really understand how extraordinary this child is because he's got extraordinary names. We've heard him described as son of the Most High and the Son of God. And we thought briefly about Jesus being both fully human and fully divine. It's one of the intractable mysteries of the Christian faith. But just think of what it means. It means God, who existed literally before time and space, might enter into time and space in the person of Jesus, born of a woman, breathing the same air that we breathe, treading the same ground upon which we tread, as if God decided to get dirt under his fingernails injecting himself into our world and its worries. This is unlike all the other major world religions, that God did not stay on high in heaven, making pronouncements in safety from up there, but turns up on our planet, not only so that he could be tested historically, so that his followers did not have to rely on blind faith, but even more than that, that he would know us that he would know our lot personally, so that his followers, or for anyone for that matter, in fact, anyone here tonight, even you, cannot say to God, you don't know what it's like to be me. Well, yes, he does know what it's like to be us, because this son of the Most High is God among us, even God with us. He's royalty. He's called the Messiah or the Christ. Both those terms mean the same thing. God's long-awaited king who's given the throne of David, 
reigning over the house of Jacob. And, and so you might think that he would inhabit a world of beautiful and expensive things, of rich and powerful people with supercars and super yachts and super lives. But the common and modest circumstances of his birth anticipate the sacrificial suffering and service of his life. They also remind us Christians to sacrifice and suffer in the service of others. That's what we're trying to do here. But though it may not look like it upon his birth, this baby will rule over a kingdom in a kind of eternal spiritual sense. For his kingdom will never end. It will last forever. And then lastly, he is called Saviour. In fact, the name Jesus means saviour, which begs the question, really, what does he save us from? Like a, a, a virus and its further strains and, and more lockdowns? Not really. Jesus is not a vaccine. What about hopelessness and despair and loneliness and purposelessness? Yeah, maybe. But ultimately, he saves us from ourselves and our mistakes and our errors and our shortcomings in the way we not only fail God, but also fight him. That's basically what the scriptures call sin. In fact, in Matthew's gospel, the angel says, you are to give him the name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And I know we don't like to talk about sin. It's a, a bit old-fashioned, a term for our modern society. We certainly don't like to think of ourselves as sinners because as Australians, we know that no one's perfect. Yet we're hopeful that we might be good enough. But sin is a, it's primarily a theological God kind of word, describing the way we all turn from God rather than turn towards him. And because it's theological rather than a moral term, it means you can be good, you can be nice, you can be pleasant and still need saving from sin. In fact, we all do. It doesn't mean you're a maniac. It means you're estranged from God. It means you've turned away from him rather than turned towards him. And friends, the reason this baby was born in Bethlehem was to bring salvation, restoration between us and God so that we're no longer failing him, we're no longer fighting him. Our sin separates us from God and we need saving from it. We need him to restore us to himself. Now, I don't know what's going to happen with this Omicron thing. <laughs> I'd really be surprised if it turns up on the most popular baby names of 2022. <laughs> I don't know how long it's going to last, but uh, you know, I know when it's gone that our problem with sin will remain. It's a much bigger issue than we think. So much so, God had to come down to us in the person of his son. We cannot make it up to God, and that's why God came down to us in the form of a child, a child called Jesus bring salvation at Christmas time we uh, of course remember Jesus being born in a stable resting in a manger at Bethlehem everything um, idyllic tender and mild <laughs> but of course he grew up that's what babies do and then he lived among us and ultimately dying for us but that really is a story for another day the question for us tonight, I guess, is how we respond to this child called Jesus. Fully human, yet fully divine, of royal blood whose humble birth belied any privilege, but who will rule over a kingdom that will prevail into eternity. Quite extraordinary. A few moments' time, we're going to finish our service by singing joy to the world.
great song. And we will sing this line, let every heart prepare him room, make space for him. Let every heart prepare him room. Every single heart. Would you do that in your heart? You know the shepherds did. They, uh, they investigated further. They went to find him. They wanted to see him up close. And they returned as changed people, praising God for what they had seen. That could be you. Maybe tomorrow in the afternoon when you're happy and full or on Boxing Day or in the New Year, you open up a Bible. Maybe you come back to church. You're always welcome. You see Jesus up close. It might change you. It might change your future. It might restore your relationship with God. Let your heart prepare him room. Well, the angel said, give him the name of Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. Let every heart prepare him room. I wish you all a very Merry Christmas.